We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. And we are live. Welcome to the Sunday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark here on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. Uh, my name is Rob Doster. I'm joined tonight by former Iowa State head coach Steve Prohm, Sports Illustrated insider Kevin Sweeney, and the man that averaged more than five points per game at Albion College. You see his jersey right there behind him, Carter Elliott of Sleepers Media. We are presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. We're live right now on YouTube. Jump in the chat. Talk with us. We're going to be asking questions, uh, answering questions during the breaks. And I have my truly, I'm ready to go. I know I owe the chat a shotgun. Uh, we will make that happen in the afters later, later on tonight. Guys, this was maybe the craziest weekend in the history of college basketball. And I don't necessarily think that that's overstating it. It's the top six teams in the AP poll all lost on Saturday. That is the first time in the history of the AP poll that that's happened. Seven of the top 10 teams in the AP poll lost on Saturday. That has never happened before. So I want to know before we dive into this thing, I'm going to go to you first on this one, Coach Brome. Which of those upsets, which of those losses, what, what was the most unexpected one? What was the craziest loss in your mind? Uh, to me, Arizona. Uh, Arizona, especially after Colorado coming off a loss at home against Arizona State. Obviously, Arizona playing it on all cylinders. Uh, not only them getting beat, but getting beat, you know, to holding them being held to 63 points and getting beat double figures. I think Arizona for sure. I, I was surprised by Purdue losing to Michigan state. Obviously it's tough to go to Breslin center and, and win in East Lansing, but Michigan state was trending in the wrong direction had just gotten blown out by Iowa and to turn around and play such a spirited performance was surprising and, and Purdue not to have uh, enough to, to kind of finish Despite that, I was surprised and just another frustrating performance for this Purdue team. There, there you two go taking both of the ones I was going to say, but I'm going to double up on Sweeney. I'm going to say Michigan State and Purdue as well. I thought that Purdue had a chance to control their own destiny. It's getting towards the end of the season. You know, Big Ten on the line playing a Michigan State team that's really struggling. This was their chance to take a stranglehold on things. I don't think they really did. So I'm going to go with that uh, Michigan State-Purdue game as well. 
Uh, I'm going to go with the number one team in the country losing on the road at St. Mary's. Um, they fell 67 to 57. Uh, you know, we've seen Gonzaga struggle in Moraga before, uh, but I, I think with the way that they've been playing down the stretch of the season, I, I, I don't know if that was necessarily something that many people projected, right? Maybe with the way the, the, the day started, it was something that was a little bit more uh, uh, feasible, but seeing, um, seeing Gonzaga lose it the way they did, you know, only scoring 57 points is pretty shocking. Uh, Carter, I'm going to go to you first on this one. What was it? What did St. Mary's do? How, how did St. Mary's find a way uh, to slow down that juggernaut Gonzaga offense? Yeah, I think just as a quick overview, I think they just really controlled the front court in this game. I think that was the story of this game. You have Drew Timmy, the All-American candidate coming to this game. You have Chet Holmgren, a certified top three NBA pick in this game. And he got they got shown up as a unit by the front court at St. Mary's. Toss played extremely well. Shout out to Mitchell Saxon, a guy who played a little bit coming to this game, had a show against Chet Holmgren. I mean, that front that front court played amazing last game. And as a big man, I always respect when the front court showed up to play. So shout out to St. Mary's front court. I think the, I thought they did a great job of controlling that basketball game, and it helped pick up the energy for the team as a whole because I think it set the tone from the tip. I just thought the physicality. Yeah, I think when you've looked back at the teams that have beaten Gonzaga recently, you've thought about you know the athleticism overwhelming Gonzaga and and you know, the Baylor game. Obviously, you know Duke as well earlier in the season. It was an athletic edge that, that won in the game. And St. Mary's didn't have an athletic edge in this game, but what they did was they executed like crazy and they were physical and, and, and they made Drew Timmy work and, and they made Drew, Drew Timmy feel uh, you know Matthias Toss and. I thought Toss was just tremendous defensively. And he's been like this all year um, in terms of some of the big men he's dealt with, you know, in the WCC and in the non-conference as well. He's been a really tough guy to score on, but you know, Drew Timmy doesn't shoot two for 10 from the field. He just doesn't do that. He is as consistent as he come. He has burned St. Mary's before. And and today Matthias Toss was not going to let it happen or or yesterday, excuse me, Matthias Toss was going to let it happen. So I think you combine that with, you know, a bunch of really strong individual efforts. I thought, Kuzi and Johnson played as well as they could have and never left the floor, which was huge. You mentioned Carter Saxon, what, what, what he was able to do uh, for them. I mean, it was just a balanced performance. It was a clinical performance and it was just, you know, I, I was just so impressed with the fact that they never let Gonzaga make that sustained run. I mean, that is what they're known for. They're as good as anyone at, you know, that 10 that the 10 kill shot as Evan, Evan Mikau, our friend over the LX world refers to it. Gonzaga never had that run. They never had the push that, that allowed them to take over the game. Yeah, I think, number one, it's a tough, tough place to play. Those fans, you can see, they're right on top of you there. I mean, they are literally a step away from the floor. But the notes I just took down from that game is, number one, you know, we talked all year long about bench play from Gonzaga, trying to really extend their extend their rotation. You know, no points from the bench. And then, like you guys already touched on, Timmy and Holmgren, combined 12 points to where St. Mary said, Hey, we've got a control tempo. And then can those three guards beat us? And to hold Gonzaga to 57 points, if I'm a coach going forward, whether it's the West coast conference, or as we go into the NCAA tournament, the two games a note that you really got to hone in on and, and prep and look at is the Tarleton state game earlier in the year. And this St. Mary's game, uh, because these games, they kept Gonzaga's offense at bay. They kept them in the half court, and they kept them out of transition. And when's the last time, I think we talked off air, Kevin, I'll give you the credit for, for finding the research, but 
2010 is the last time Gonzaga's had four assists or less. That's 12 years, only four assists, and then obviously 36% from the field uh, on a team that's offensively phenomenal. Yeah, the thing about Gonzaga is they they lead the nation, or they were top three in the nation in effective field goal percentage, defensive effective field goal percentage, two-point field goal percentage, and defensive two-point field goal percentage. Uh, their whole defense is built around this idea that we have this seven-foot monster in Chet Holmgren that's going to erase everything at the rim. Uh, their offense is built around the idea we're going to be able to space the floor, uh, get the ball to Timmy, and be able to let him kind of go to work and do his little uh, mustache ballerina kind of footsteps and uh, find a way to get seals and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, St. Mary's outscored them in the paint. They put up 40 points in the paint and they held Drew Timmy and Chet Holger to a combined five for 16 on two point field goals. You never see that happen. You never do. So I want to ask you guys this. And, and I, I think Prom, I'll go to you first on this one. Was this, was this a product of two rivals that know each other really, really well? Was this a product of Gonzaga, uh, getting a little bit bored in league play and not realizing that when you go into Moraga, it's a little bit different than when you're playing at Pacific or when you're, when you're playing at Pepperdine, or is this just St. Mary's is really damn good. I think a little bit of everything. I think obviously St. Mary's showed last night. They're really, they're really freaking good. I mean, they're a good basketball team. Obviously Randy Bennett's one of the top coaches in the country, but I think, you know, number one, these teams have gone head to head one, two and had West coast conference for years. And I think they know each other so, so well. St. Mary's, to them, they knew how big this game was. And then when you listen to, you know, Gonzaga afterwards, you know, they talked about the physicality. They talked about them being a quicker and more tougher team, you know, last night. And that maybe, you know, it's kind of late February, getting early March. You know, they can be a little beat up and worn down, you know, to where – um, you know, they need to get home, get freshened up, you know, and be ready to go uh, win the West Coast Conference Tournament and then go on to the NCAAs. But I think, number one, they know each other so well. Number two, it's a phenomenal basketball team, really well coached and tough. And then three, it's a team that, you know, obviously controlled tempo. And if you've ever been to Moraga, California, for a game, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal environment. It's a high school gym that they're playing in. Right. It, it really is yeah. kind of like a glorified high school gym and, and yeah. it creates an awesome environment. Sweeney, real quick, let me ask you this. Is there any chance that Gonzaga falls off of that one seed line? I don't think so, especially with the way that WCC protects their top seeds. Um, Gonzaga only have to play two games to win the conference tournament. Uh, it would be against San Francisco or BYU and then St. Mary's or theoretically Santa Clara, I guess. Um, so there's not really room to have a bad loss. I, I'd be stunned. You know, maybe there's potential for them to lose the number one overall seed uh, and have to go somewhere other than out West, but that would require a loss. And then Arizona, I think winning the PAC 12 tournament. Yeah. Carter, does the way that this game played out, is there now a formula to beat Gonzaga? You know, I, I hate doing like the lazy take in this game that Gonzaga was taking a break or, you know, they just were getting kind of bored, but it, it kind of seemed like that in this game. Like I know I gave credit to St. Mary's front court, but look, there was a lot of shots and a lot of shots by Chet and Timmy that go in on a nightly basis. And they really just weren't falling and they seemed out of sync and they really just couldn't get back on track. And like coach said, like these St. Mary's guys have been playing against these guys for four years now, losing to these guys for four years. They finally get a home. They get them at home on senior night. These guys have been losing at them for the past couple of years. There's a lot to play for in this game. So I think they really just stepped up. 
I, I just don't see Gonzaga playing Man. that bad. It was, it, I just don't see it happening again. Uh, I think that they have the ability to be physical in the front court. So I, I just think they're going to kind of mark it up as a, you know, just a little blimp in the road. And I think they're going to kind of move forward from this. I'm not too concerned about them overall. I think yeah, the I think other thing too, you circle from that. If you, if you look at St. Mary's, they went undefeated at home last night by winning that game. And I believe, and I, I could be wrong here. I believe I read this afternoon. That's the first time they've had an undefeated home stand uh, in Moraga. And so, you know, senior night, chance to go undefeated, Gonzaga, them guys are going to be ready to go, you know, ESPN. And so it's not shocking that to me that they, they, they got, they got beat last night. And this is a quick take, Rob, but this is the best job coaching job Randy Bennett has done in his full career. If you look back, I mean, they're, they're going to have the best seed they've ever had in the NCAA tournament. Um, and they don't have a high level pro. Like you go through like Jock Landale, Jordan Ford, uh, Della Vadova, uh, Patty Mills, like on the teams that they've had, they've been elite. They've had a, you know, close to an NBA guy. There's no close to NBA guy on this team. There's some, there's some guys who can be successful in Europe. There's not, there's no one close to the NBA on this team and they're going to have the highest seed ever at St. Mary's. Randy Bennett is doing the best job he has ever done at St. Mary's. I think it should be pointed out. Their star point guard is a walk-on. I think it also should be, or was a walk-on. Yes. scholarship now, but Tommy Cousy walked on to the St. Mary's basketball program. All right. I want to get to Gonzaga before we move on to the next, or I'm sorry, get to Arizona before we move on to the next segment. Carter, I'm going to you first on this one. Arizona lost by 16 at Colorado. Arizona has also lost their last five games at Colorado. Uh, five of the last six Pac-12 champions have lost at Colorado. And I think that there's only, there's less than one team a year on average in the Pac-12 season that sweeps that Utah and Colorado road trip. Are you concerned about the Wildcats at all after that loss? Uh, I I was concerned about the Wildcats, honestly, going into that game. I think last night was what Arizona is as a team. Yes, it was a tough road game. Like you said, it's a tough place to play with Colorado, Colorado and winning there. But the fact of the matter is, I think that Arizona is one of the teams that has good point guard play, but they also have volatile point guard play. Like you either get a very high ceiling and it looks great. And, you know, Kirk Kreese is getting triple doubles. And then you get a floor where it's just he's really not, you know, he's giving you nothing on both ends of the floor. And I think that affects the whole the team as a whole, of course, being the point guard and being the person who runs the team. So if if he was able to kind of find a middle ground at times and it's not so much having the lows that, you know, that low floor and that high ceiling, I think it would work out a lot better for them. So here I, are here. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to say this real quick. Here are Arizona's best wins. They've won at Illinois. Right. They've beaten. UCLA at home, who might be fraudulent. They've beaten USC at home, who uh, might be fraudulent. Uh, and then their fourth best win is probably Wyoming, right? And then maybe Wichita State. I don't know where you want to throw Michigan in that mix. I don't think Michigan's very good. They're probably in that fraudulent category as well. Sorry, producer Greg. Uh, but if you look at what they've actually done this season, they don't have all that many great wins. Um, are they a product of uh, – a, a metrics a week schedule and metrics that allow them to run up the score on people with the way that they play and put these you know kind of uh game the system almost so to speak is there anything to that Sweeney I don't think you can be as dominant as they have been and have some good wins too and been competitive in every game you know really with the exception of you know Colorado and that was competitive for 35 minutes I don't think you can be that good and not be an elite basketball team right I, I really do believe that this team can be special uh, I, I think like Carter said that there's, there's a real downside here with their point guard play. And I think at times 
they are so explosive offensively and they play so fast and they can put 15 on you so quickly that you can forget about the times when they don't look so good. I mean, you can look back even, right? They beat Washington by 24 points. They were down double figures in that game, right? And they just, they pounced on them quick and, and all of a sudden it's over again. Uh, you know, you, you look back, I mean, there, there have been so many games where it, it just, the, the, the deficit vanishes in a hurry. They trailed by double digits against Arizona State uh, and, and then rallied and, and, and won it. I mean, it's just all season long, they've been able to have bad moments and surge back. And I think if you're kind of wondering about their ability to win in March, I think that's concerning because I don't know how easy it's going to be to put together a 12 0 in, in March Madness, right? It's just not, it's not as easy as it is on a Tuesday night in the Pac 12. It's just that's the reality. But I, I do think that they're an elite basketball team because you don't accomplish what they've accomplished, regardless of schedule, if you're dominating like this, right? I mean, their schedule is no worse than than Gonzaga's in the uh, in conference play, and they're just as dominant. So I, I don't I don't think that there's a case to say they're not a lead. I think it's a question of can can they win six games in March with how volatile they can be really inside of games. Probably yeah, I, I think they're I think they're an elite basketball team. I mean, you know, you don't play a high major schedule and be in the Pac-12, one of the Power Five leagues, and have two losses, and we're about to go to March first and not be an elite team. I mean, they lost twice, um, I believe, right? And uh, and then did they did they lose at Tennessee? Did they lose at Tennessee? Mm-hmm. And uh, should have won that game. I'm going to blame that one on the officials. It has but, nothing to do with the fact that I may have had a little bit of money on uh, yeah. on on Arizona in that spot at Bet River Sportsbook, but they did lose at Tennessee. They were so robbed. three. So they've lost at Tennessee and then the two conference games. So three games, but the Tennessee game was was a was a battle. I mean, was a was a was a really really good basketball game. So that shows that they've got some toughness against what Tennessee. What is Tennessee known for? Toughness, defense. So they showed up, and then to go to Illinois and win, I think that's that's a phenomenal phenomenal win. It's a tough place to play, and I think what what Tommy Lloyd said after the game a little bit was this this doesn't change anything. And the one thing we forget is they were up by five at halftime. I mean, they were up at half. I mean, they played a really good twenty, and like Kevin said, maybe even 30, 35 minutes. Uh, but they're still in position to win the Pac-12. You know, they're at USC. That'll show a lot about their character to bounce back because this is their first kind of, hey, adversity. They got a legitimate chance to lose two games in a row, and they're going to play a good Southern Cal team. But then they come home for Stanford and Cal where they can win the Pac-12 and then maintain a number one number one seed. All right, well, listen, we got to pay the bills here really quick, but coming up next, I am going to tell you why I think Purdue is fraudulent this season. Clear, 90 seconds. All right, so we got some questions coming in from the chat right now, which, by the way, if we get that up to 100 likes, uh, Carter, Carter, what do you got there? Yeah, we're going to be shotgunning nice little these. Cole Bruschi, ready to go. Yeah. Talk we're going to be shotgunning these. If we can get 100 will, likes. Will it be cold the- after an hour of sitting on your desk during, <laughs> during a show? No, nah, because the likes are about to run up quick. I can feel it. I feel the energy in the chat tonight. I like it. Shot, shotgun in the second break. All right. Um, so we got some questions coming in from the chat. Uh, number one, I don't have a name for it, um, but did this performance change your mind about where Chet Holmgren should be drafted? Uh, Cardo, let's go to you first on that one. No, one minute. I don't. No, I really don't, because I think all freshmen have had that moment. It's just that, unfortunately, he had his moment when Gonzaga's, you know, one prime time or, you know, very few prime time. Everyone's watching ESPN game. So it looks bad. But I feel like other 
top prospects have had those type of games. It's unfortunate, but they need to feature him more. I think honestly, that's what I got out of that game. I don't like how they make him a role player. He's your number one pick. Like act like it. Yeah, yeah he, I, I, he, he I would still take Jabari number one. I would still take Jabari number one, even before this game, after this game. Is that a hot take? No, I would take Jabari. I, I think yeah. I just think that Chet needs to be more more engaged and deal with the physicality better, right? And I think we'll see it in March, right? I mean, I think that was the knock on him in the non-conference against some elite teams they played was he didn't do a great job handling that, you know, physicality. And he, he's been so much better in WCC play. And 10? I think yesterday was a kind of turn back the clock game. Yep. All right. Well, uh, we'll get to the other question on, on when we get to the next break. And we are back. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. I'm Rob Doster. I have Carter Elliott, Kevin Sweeney, and Steve Prome here with me. We are on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the uh, ESPNU station. We are streaming live over on YouTube right now. Make sure you hit that like button. You hit that subscribe button. All of that stuff really does help the channel. If you are watching there, jump in the chat. Ask us questions. We will answer them during breaks. All right. We got to talk about this Big Ten race because the Big Ten, uh, I think, is the most entertaining um, and exciting and interesting, uh, uh, you know, uh, league championship race that we have coming down here at the end. We had uh, coming into the weekend, there were four teams within one game of first place. Um, Purdue lost at Michigan State. Uh, Wisconsin won at Rutgers. Illinois uh, beat up on Michigan. I believe that was on the road. And then Ohio State lost at Maryland, which means that we now have uh, a situation where Wisconsin is heading, I believe they're heading on the road to play at Purdue with the chance to uh, to win. They, the they host regular. They host Purdue. They host. They host Purdue. Yeah, host Purdue. Oh, that's right, because Johnny Davis went nuts in Mackey. So they host Purdue with a chance to more or less effectively win the Big Ten regular season title outright because Nebraska is the last team that they play, and Nebraska does not count as a basketball team. Uh, in the year of our Lord, 2022. Pro, I'm going to go to you first on this one on Purdue. Um, I've said it over and over again. The issues that they have at the point guard spot and defensively, it's a little too much for me to buy into them as a Final Four uh, threat. Uh, they went on the road and they lost to a Michigan State team that had you know, a friends carded. They had lost five of the last six, three in a row. We were, we were talking about them as potentially missing the NCAA tournament. How worried are you about Purdue Pro? I still like Purdue. I, I like them. I think they're a very good basketball team, but I think the one thing we've hit on all year and people have talked about their weaknesses uh, against their strength is the guard play. And you look at when you break down the Michigan state game, the guys that delivered were, you know, the two big guys. And then, and then, and then Jaden, you know, those guys, you know, had the, the bulk of their points, their guard play struggled. And then Sasha's got to have more than two points for them. I think, you know, he can't go one for six. You know, he's got to make shots and they got to take care of the ball from that standpoint. Uh, they had a great opportunity, obviously, to put themselves in a position for a Big Ten championship. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue can go to Wisconsin and win. The Big Ten, they always seem to end up with a three-way tie to me. I've said this before on this show. Like, it always seems to end up with a three-way or a four-way tie. You know, Wisconsin controls its own destiny to win it outright. But if they get beat by Purdue, you're probably looking at a three-way champion this year with Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois. I think, you know, I talked to a, a Big Ten coach in December about Purdue when Purdue was scorching hot, right? You thought Purdue could be the number one team in the country. And he said, look, 
everybody in this league knows that the way you stop Purdue is you should stop Sasha. And, and Sasha Stavondrich was a non-factor in this game. Like, he didn't have a clean look. It felt like really all night. Um, they did a tremendous job, Michigan State did, uh, on him. But I think the, the larger concern with Purdue continues to be defensively. And I think one of the things that really, really concerns me is teams have a habit of producing career nights for their point guards when they're playing against Purdue. And, and, and A.J. Hogard and Tyson Walker combined for uh, 19 points, 10 assists yesterday. You know, Walker hits the game winner. Hogard really controlled the second half. But you go through, right? Like, like let's go back to the Michigan game where Purdue got hammered. Devontae Jones had Sweeney. 11 points and 10 assists. He, he was tremendous. Uh, all right, let, let, let's go back to the Indiana game when, when they lost on, on the road. Uh, Rob Finnessy, career night. Xavier Johnson, maybe his best game as a Hoosier. Right? Like, like th- these aren't world beaters that are torching this Purdue defense. Like, at some point, again, great that these guys are stepping up in big moments, but it, it's concerning that these point guards that are struggling the rest of the season. Like we talk about Indiana, we say, man, the point guard play needs to be better. Everyone's just saying, yeah, the point guard play needs to be better. Against Purdue, the point guard play is pretty darn good. And I think that's <laughs> that's a sign about the Purdue defense. Yeah. And the other yeah, thing, really too, is. when you echo on that game, is to win on the road. I mean, Purdue turned it over 17 times. And then Michigan State shot 45% from three. But I think the one thing Michigan State showed in that game is I think the one thing to me when I look at their Michigan State is they've got a lot of balance. And I think they had six guys get eight or more. And so their balance was at a high level on Saturday, and that gives them a chance to win if they can, you know, kind of divvy up the scoring a little bit. But I still like Purdue, uh, but obviously there's the question marks because of the, the guard play. Yeah, Carter, I'm going to let you talk your shit about Michigan State here in one second, but I do want to make one point. Okay. Uh, Purdue, the way that they're built, elite offense, number one offense in the country, sub-100 defense, according to Ken Palm. The two teams that reminds me of, one, last year's Iowa, right? They lost in the second round. They got smacked by Oregon. 2012 Missouri, right? They had the best offense in, in college basketball, and they were ranked 154th in defensive efficiency. That team lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament to Norfolk State. Shout out to Kyle O'Quinn. So to me, like this is that Purdue is is the formula for a team that gets knocked out of the NCAA tournament early. And that's just kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, Carter, tell me a little bit about Michigan State. And then I know that you were at the Michigan Illinois game today. How good are the Illini? Can the Illini uh, end up finding are, are they going to be able to find a way to win this thing? Yeah, so 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 let me comment real quick on the Michigan State Purdue thing like as much as I loved seeing my Michigan State Spartans get that win that was such an indictment on how bad Purdue is defensively like as for as good as they are offensively like defensively no like you mentioned at the top of this show that I'm a guy who averaged five points a game in college I would love to see Purdue on defense it makes no sense to me that these guys are this bad on defense as far as them just not not wanting to buy in to playing defense. They have athletes. Jaden Ivey should be a good defender. Sasha Stefanovic is not a world beater or quick by any stretch of the means, but he should be an okay defender. He's 6'5". You have guys like Eric Hunter as well. The fact that they aren't a better defensive team is so scary to me, and it hasn't improved throughout the whole year. So that's the reason why I'm kind of out on them. And they made Michigan State basketball team look good in the half-court offense when we haven't looked good in the half-court offense all year and we were able to do whatever we want so as much joy as that brought me it was more of an indictment on Purdue's defense and it's definitely scary hours for the boys at Mackey 
Um, but to comment on Illinois, uh, I think that, you know, I've kind of been staying strong on my fact that I think if I had to pick a final four team from the big 10, it would be Illinois. I think that they have a dominant force in Kofi and the way that Plummer shooting the ball, Trent Frazier is a dog by any, any, I don't care what numbers I you look at. He's just straight I dog, just dude. a dog. Like you throw him out there. If I want to go to war with a dude, in the big 10, like give me Trent Frazier. Cause he's going to give it to you and he's going to go every single night. So the fact that you can have a national player of the year and the uh, candidate in the middle, like Kofi, who's as dominant as he is, and he's able to kick out to guys and be surrounded by 40% three-point shooters. I mean, I think it works extremely well. I think they just need to kind of figure out things with how Curbelo is going to fit into that fold a little bit, but I really like that team. And I think they're out of the big 10, they would be my pick to kind of be able to make that final four run. Yeah, so Ohio State lost at Maryland today, which probably eliminates them from this conversation, right? I can't imagine that everything, everybody else is going to lose every game that they play. Um, it's just not going to happen. Uh, so that means that on Tuesday, we have Purdue and Wisconsin playing, like I mentioned, what is it, a de facto uh, Big Ten regular season title game, especially if Wisconsin is able to find a way to win. Prome, going to you on this one, man. The last time that we saw these two teams play, Johnny Davis looked like the second coming of Kobe Bryant had 37 points, 14 boards, three assists, two steals, two blocks, uh, and took over in Mackey arena. How does Purdue stop him? How do you slow him down? Is there a way for them to do it? And is this, do you think Wisconsin is going to find a way to get this win? I mean, Jaden Ivey is going to have to step up, you know, from a defense because you got to think he's the one with the length and size and athleticism to guard Johnny. You know, and uh, obviously those coaches are going to make the best decision for their team. But if I'm just looking at rosters and matchups, you would think he's the one that's got to take take it on. And obviously those are the guys, those are the the high end draft pick guys or the guys that are are climbing up draft draft boards. You know, from that standpoint. But uh, it's a great opportunity for Wisconsin um, to put themselves at least to get a share of the league championship on Tuesday night. But I think Purdue's come so far to where every time we've kind of counted them out, they've went and won a big game. Now, obviously, their guard play's got to be better. And the funny thing about it is, you know, we've made in those point guards um, numbers about all these other teams. The one thing Purdue does in transition is usually make it really, really hard on opposing point guards because they're jamming the outlet and denying the point guard and picking him up and really making tough on him. And so... I just – I would not be shocked if Purdue went in there and beat Wisconsin on Tuesday night. And then, just like I said in years past, we'll have a three-way champion and and uh, Carter's, you know, Illini will jump in there and get a share of the championship, and deservingly so, because what uh, Illinois has been able to do, the bumps and bruises and things that they've been through with suspensions and uh, injuries for lengthy amount of times, guys in and out of the lineup, for them to be able to weather all the storm – and be in position to win a Big Ten title, hats off to them. I was at the first meeting between Wisconsin and Purdue. Uh, I'll be at the second one. I'm very excited about that game in Madison uh, on Tuesday night. Jaden Ivey did a much better job defensively on Johnny Davis than anyone else for Purdue. Like, J- J- so Jaden got two fouls very early in that ball game, uh, like six or seven minutes in, and they did play him some of the rest of the first half, but they didn't guard him. But they didn't match him up with Johnny to try to protect him, which made a lot of sense. And, and when Johnny got Eric Hunter on him or Isaiah Thompson, it was game over. I mean, he's too strong. Uh, he's too big. Like you, you, he, he was feeling himself in the mid range. Like 
there was nothing you could do to stop him. And I think Jaden has to take this matchup personal. Like he knows that, you know, Johnny, you know, got all the scouts attention when these teams oh, yeah, met I, the first I, we time. We want to see that, right? Like, right. I feel like that's the knock on Jaden right now at this point is that he, he is, he's this unbelievable talent, but we've never seen him to this point, step up and say, okay, that guy's kicking my ass. That's, that's not happening. Right. I think this is not just a big moment for Purdue season, but I think this is a big moment in the narrative of who is Jaden Ivey as a player, who is he as a prospect, what is he going to be at the next level? Like this, these are the moments where you want to see that dude step up and say, "No, nah, f that!" Like I, I'm winning this matchup. That is not happening again. I got my ass kicked last time. That is not happening again. Right? Yep, 100. percent Right? It, it's a mindset thing, and I think it's on both ends of the floor. Right? Like I, I almost worry that Jaden's going to come out and try to do a little bit too much. Like I thought that in the first half against Michigan State, when things weren't working, Jaden was super aggressive, which at times he hasn't been. But I thought it I thought it was to the detriment of Purdue's offense because he was turning the ball over. He's a little bit wild. I'm I'm just really curious to see what his mindset is going to that game. Is he in I need to kill because this is my, you know, this is my draft moment. This is our Big Ten championship moment. Or does he come in with the composure of, look, I've been in big games before. I've played in the NCAA tournament. I need to let the game come to me. We need to get our big men involved because that's how we win. We're Purdue. And I'm going to make my plays when it matters. And I'm going to really lock down Johnny Davis. And I think if he does that. I think that will be to the uh, success of Purdue. I, I don't think, I don't think Jaden needs to control, dominate this game with the ball in his hands. He needs to dominate the game with how he controls the game and with how he defends Johnny Davis. Yeah. He needs to lock down Johnny Davis. Uh, the big 10 is the weirdest league in the conference or weirdest league in the country, because it feels like, with all of these great home court advantages, nobody actually wins at home. Wisconsin is beating everybody on the road. Can't beat Rutgers in their own building. Listen, coming up next, we're going to talk about the SEC. Kentucky lost at Arkansas. Auburn lost at Tennessee. Is there a team to beat in that conference? I'm going to tell you guys in just a minute. Clear, 90 seconds. All right, we do have a couple questions in the chat. Uh, Steve, I'm not going to put this one on you. Uh, I'm going to Sweeney first on this one. Um, is Jim Beheim going to retire after the season? He keeps saying no. I, 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 I will. I will count on Jim Beheim being retired when the ball is tipped on the first game in November. I, the I year will, that he's retired, I will believe. I will believe that Jim Beheim is retired when I see that last shovel of dirt go on his casket. That that man <laughs> is going to coach until he is in the grave. That is how he is wired. How he is built. Uh, Carter. Is Arkansas a legit Final Four team? That is from uh, that is from Andrew in the chat. One minute. I'm I'm not I'm not going to go that far. I don't think that they are a legit Final Four team to me. But that's more so just an indication of everybody in the country. I don't know if anyone is really a legit Final Four team. It's just a bunch of aggressively okay teams across the country. So I'm I'm not going to. I hope Mama Hogs not listen to this, but I'm, they're not <laughs> my Final Four yet. Mama Hogs going to be coming after you, pro. I do not I do uh, not want that smoke. This is this is from uh, it feels like a half dozen people are talking about this right now in the chat. 30. But if you were if you were advising Drew Timmy, would you tell him to come back to school next year? Man, I think it's twofold. Uh, when you look at a lot of these guys, is <clears throat> with the NIL, with the, excuse me, with the NIL. You know what can you make from the NIL if if it's not a situation where you're securely going to be in the 10. NBA. Um, or, or may have to go overseas, why not just stay there? It's an unbelievable spot, NIL. NIL. 
And we are back. It is the field of 68 after dark. We are live on Sirius XM channel 84. That is the ESPN news station. We're still streaming over on YouTube. Please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, jump in the chat, ask us questions. We answer them during our breaks. Rob Doster with Carter Elliott, Kevin Sweeney, and coach Steve Prone. We got to talk about the SEC guys because the SEC had uh, the two most hyped matchups, I think, coming into the weekend. Kentucky. Went into Arkansas and lost by two. They were able to cover if you got Arkansas laying two and a half points, uh, which was good for this guy. Uh, but I think to me, Steve, the big takeaway, J.D. Note, that dude can go with a capital G. Yeah, him and Jalen Williams. I think um, Arkansas may be the hottest basketball team in the country right now. I mean, they're 13-1 they're and one in their last 14 games, and they're, they're sitting at 0-3 obviously unranked at the time. And now they're, they're a game out of first place in the SEC. I mean, they're a game out. Think about that. Um, and they've done a phenomenal job. Obviously, JT Note, uh, J.D. Note is phenomenal, but I love Jalen Williams as well. And, and they've got a, a, you know, a great cast of guys. And Bud Walton, it is, it is extremely, extremely hard to win there. Phenomenal, phenomenal place to play. And I still think Auburn wins the SEC because of the way the schedule falls. But Arkansas is the hottest team in that league right now. Nobody's playing better. I mean, uh, you mentioned Note, uh, Rob. I mean, you know, in a year where it feels like every time we we hop on, we say, man, X team has questionable guard play. X team doesn't have the point guard. I don't know how you want to define is J.D. Note a point guard. Is, you know, is, likes the point guard when he's on the floor. Is Devo. Like, I don't care. That dude balled the heck out with the ball in his hands yesterday. He hunted shots. He was great in the ball screen. He was really good in isolation. Um, he made some really tough twos. I mean, big shots that kept the momentum on Arkansas side when Kentucky would make a push, and it felt like the energy was shifting because of how dominant Oscar was on the other end of the floor. I mean, J.D. Note was spectacular and belongs in the conversation among the best guards in the country. I mean, I think of him as – you know, like, again, I mean, if, if you're going through the list of, of, of great guards, you, you probably put Matherin on there. You probably put, um, you know, a Wendell Moore type guy on there. But I think Note is really, I mean, Johnny Davis, I think would be my number one guard in the country. Ivy right there as well. But the way that Note has played this year, I mean, yesterday was the, the capper, but he's been fantastic and, and changes this thing for Arkansas. Because when you have, you know, guys who can break you off the bounce like Note and Devo and, and Likes, you have these switchable forwards and Tony and Umude. Williams is your most unselfish player up front, and he has great touch around the rim. I mean, that's a scary combo. Like, like no one is playing better basketball in the SEC right now than in Arkansas. This, this is a team that, to me, they, they can go to a Final Four, absolutely. Yeah, for me, for me, you got to just take the take the position away, take anything away. When I think about teams making runs in March, it's like guard plays. Word to Rob on this, like my favorite March memories are watching UConn's guards and point guards make plays in March and make extreme runs in March. Like J.D. Note is a guy who can explode for runs, as we've seen during this year, and that will translate to March for me. So the fact that they have that, and it seems like they have a team with defined roles as well, as Sweeney pointed out, you have a bunch of guys on this team that I think play their role to the best of their ability. They know that Note is the guy who needs to get them a bucket when they need it. 
and they got guys who are playing their role defensively. Jalen Williams has been huge in the middle for them, as you said, as you said as well, Sweeney. So they're playing extremely well right now. And they're, oh, yes. Oh, hell yeah. You know, I want oh, some Jay- stats on that. Love Jay- stats. On Jalen Williams. So they lost uh, – Arkansas had that stretch where they lost six out of seven in like this, like late December, early January. Since they've been hot, when they've run 13 of the last 14 games, Jalen Williams is averaging 14.5 points during that stretch. Uh, he was averaging just over four points. We call that the Carter Elliott special uh, when they were struggling earlier on this season. Uh, last Two year, strikes, Rob, relax. <laughs> last year, the same kind of thing happened, right? Justin Smith got hurt. They lost four out of five. He came back. They went on that tear. I think it was 16 of their last 19 games they won uh, when Justin Smith was at the five. It's it, When they get that kind of versatile I don't want to say small ball because Jalen Williams is like 6'11 and 245 pounds. He ain't small, but he can step out on the perimeter. But he can make three basket. Yeah, that's what he did to Shibwe. Um, that's how he kind of was able to take advantage of him down the stretch. I think he had the last 10 points, last 12 points for Arkansas, something like that. He had a nice little stretch where he he was. Uh, he had a big jump hook late with about a minute to go. I mean, you know, put him up four, I think, right there. Yeah. So we talked a lot about point guard play there, guys. Uh, does that mean? You know, let's 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 go directly into Auburn here. They went on the road and they lost at Tennessee by five. Uh, Wendell Green was a problem again, and not in a good way. He's shooting twenty seven percent from three in SEC play. When when he's playing like that, Carter can, can Auburn like? Uh, where do you view them? Because I'm I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, yeah, you know, what? I don't know if they're going to be able to find a way to get it done if that's the dude that's running the show. Yeah, for, for me, it's 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 the fact that that he doesn't really have another style of play. But so basically he's going to play the same exact way, which as a basketball player, like I see that you want to play your game at all times. You don't want to be trying to do things that you're not used to doing, but also at the same time, some self-awareness has to come into play a little bit. Like you're not hitting shots. You're not making the right play. Maybe you should change things up for the betterment of the team. And also maybe that could help you, you know, actually play a little better ball at the point guard position. So the fact of the matter is you, it, it, that's who Wendell Green is. And that's who he is for Auburn. Like you got to live with the greatness and you got to die with the low points. And right now it's, you know what he needs it's to not do, looking man? good. He needs to read his, like his own scouting report. Cause he doesn't know his scouting report. He thinks his scouting <laughs> report is I'm, I'm Damian Lillard and no, like you're, you're Wendell Green. Right. right. Like that's, that's- it, it seems like every time he plays, it's like the defense is like, you can't shoot from there. And Wendell's like, yes, I can. And then he just misses. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you don't have to prove anything. Like, they're like, go ahead, shoot it, Wendell. He's like, all right, I will. <laughs> it's the that's the shot we want that's the trick that you pull on everybody when you're at the park right yeah that's the shot yeah, we want yeah it, like hell oh yeah he's, he's with us watch watch this air ball <laughs> right <laughs> step back 28 footer air ball that's a brick yeah it, it's it's a concern um but how much of that steve how much of that do you put on tennessee like you, you got to give them some credit for that they, they found a way to turn this thing around it looks like the wheels it looked like the wheels were going to fall off there for tennessee for a little while uh, but they, I mean, they figured it out. I mean, the, the, the top four in this conference is probably, I would say, the best top four in any league in college basketball this season. Is that is that crazy to say? No, I like these four teams. And then you've kind of got that wild card team in Alabama, you know, that's capable of of beating anybody uh, when hey, they're where, right. Where'd you go to school, Steve? <laughs> in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I really like Tennessee from the from the time I saw them in late August, early September. Um, I love their coach. I love what he stands for, what he's about, uh, the things that he values uh, in a basketball team. And I think you saw that. Uh, that's why they're 12 and four in the SEC. Um, 
you know, and they've done a phenomenal job of kind of, of really making a run late as well, like you just touched on. And to be honest, the way the schedule, if you really mapped out these teams' schedules, if Auburn slips up, they probably have the best schedule possibly because they got a home game against Arkansas to really share the conference championship. You know, Kentucky would have to get beat at Florida, but, um, man, I really like Tennessee. I like their guard play. Uh, you know, they've got the two smaller guards in, in, in Ziegler and Chandler, uh, but they are tough up front. And they won this game, man. They dominated Auburn on the glass. I mean, they just physically dominated them on the glass. And, you know, and just that, that – but that's Rick Barnes. Toughness, rebounding, and defense. Yeah. Sweeney, wrap it up with Kentucky. Are, are you concerned about them at all, or is this just, you know, life on the road in the SEC, life in Bud Walton Arena? I still think they're really a team, but but I will say this. It seems like every game, it's a new, new excuse with Kentucky. When, when, when their guards don't play, it's, well, their guards didn't play. I guess the loss doesn't count. You know, when they're healthy, they'll be good. Well, well the guards played yesterday, and and they still lost, right? Like, Shibway gave them 30 and 20, and they still lost. You know, like, I, I think Kentucky is an elite basketball team. I think they're in, you know, top, top five to ten team in the country. They have a real chance to win, go to a Final Four, win a national championship. But I think that at some point they have to win the big one. Uh, and, and they've had two big road opportunities against Tennessee and now against Arkansas, and they haven't gotten it done in either game. So, look, yeah, I don't know what percentage Sevilla Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington were yesterday, but they had those guys out there that played normal minutes and they, they couldn't couldn't quite get over the hump. So I do want to see Kentucky get that elite win before I, we, we put them in that true they're the best team in the country conversation. Yeah, I do think there's something to be said about the fact that, uh, you know, you mentioned it earlier, the way to slow down Purdue is to slow down Sasha Stefanovic, right? Well, maybe the way to slow down Kentucky is to run Kellen Grady off of the uh, off of the three-point line. He took, I think he took three shots the other night. They were face-guarding him. They didn't let him get it going. They played off of Severe Wheeler. They played off of Keon Brooks. And uh, to me, that was just kind of what it was. Like, you, you, you take away the space for everybody else. You don't like Kellen Grady get shots going, and you just kind of say, hey, look, if we're going to get beat by Oscar Sheepway twos in offensive rebounds, we're going to get beat by Oscar Sheepway twos in offensive rebounds. Um, all right, I'm going to put each of you guys on the spot. Uh, before we head to our next break here, Steve, who is the most likely team out of the SEC to get to a final four? One word answer. Who? Uh, Auburn. Sweeney. Arkansas. Ooh. Carter. Kentucky. Yeah. I- I'm, I'm, I'm landing on Kentucky with that one too. I'm going to stick with Kentucky. I'm going to say that they still have a ceiling. Uh, listen, coming up next We have a game that we're going to play. It's called Take Your Pick. I have five questions. I'm going to make these guys answer. I'm going to put them on the spot. It's going to be tough. They're going to be sweating it out. You're going to want to listen to this. You're not going to want to miss. Clear, 90 seconds. Uh, All right. Go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. I'm saying here's my take with Auburn. Everybody wants to write them off. They're 13-3 and and like maybe the best league in the country. And the three losses are about a total of five points. They all came down last possession. They were all on the road. That's true. Yeah. I, no, but, they I, lost, I, but they lost. But they lost those games. Those are all games they should have won. To me, like they were. They well, were the Arkansas. Well, the Arkansas that was a bad shot. I mean, they should have, you know, put pressure on the basket. They had a chance in regulation. Uh, you know, I didn't see the Tennessee. I just saw the score. But 
you know, the, Florida, the you know, Florida's the, one they the should final go possession in. against Florida. That was a really bad. Really yeah, that's bad. what I was. Yeah, I was more well, most the Florida game at the last possession, and the, you know, and then uh, the Arkansas. But I mean, man, three games on the road, you lose by five points, and they're still in first place. You know, you know, they, you know what my issue. You're you're 100 right, Steve. You know what my issue with it is, though. My issue is that it's it's the same thing that's causing these losses. Right. It's the same. Okay. We're in a, a final possession situation. Uh, we can't get a good 30. look. We're in a final possession situation. We turn the ball over. We have a point guard that is shooting 27% from three in league play that is taking bad shots. It's less, it's less the fact that they're, they're losing close games and more the fact that it's like, okay, I see that coming up and being something that bites them in the ass in a one game knockout situation where you're not going to be able to come back 10. the next night and, and, and go get it back. So that's, I don't know. It's just it's I, a, pa- I it's a pattern that. developing, basically. It's a pattern. Yep. We are live. This is the field of 68 after dark. We are live on Sirius XM channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We are streaming on YouTube. If you're watching there, hit that like button. Jump in the chat. Ask us some questions. We're going to answer them in the afters. That is coming up next. If we get to 100 likes, we have a very special surprise for you. Uh, my name is Rob Doster. I have Carter Elliott. I have Steve Pro. I have Kevin Sweeney here with me. We're going to play a little game. It's called Take Your Pick. I have five questions. I'm going to hit you guys with it. You have 20 seconds to answer. Uh, it's it's going to be exciting. I'm going to make you guys have to answer. You're going to, you're going to have to put your thinking caps on. It's going to be a little bit stressful. I'm going to be putting you guys on the spot, but uh, we're going to do this thing. All right, you guys ready for the first one? Ready. All right. Uh, Prome, I'm going to you first on this one. It's a little bit of a coaching question. You have a little bit more coaching expertise than uh, anybody else on this call right now. So there's one minute left in the game. You're on the road. You're down by one. You are Matt Painter. Your team has the ball. You have no timeouts left. Is Zach Eady or Trevion Williams on the floor for you? You have the ball down one, no timeouts on the road. Zach Eady. You're going Eady? I'm going Eady, and obviously, you know, they do a phenomenal job of executing in half court and getting the ball inside, and they've got a bunch of counters, you know, to their main stuff. They're really good, on, I think, on the offensive end. Get it in there, get him something easy. Sweeney? I would take Travion. I, I worry – I know Eady's a better free throw shooter. That's the only thing that kind of holds him back here. But, you know, I think, A, Travion will be a little bit better defensively, you know, if you're getting up and down the floor – and, and he he's a little bit more – he's had some clutch shots in his career. Like, he's been in those moments. I don't think there's a moment you can look on it and say Zach Eady had that game-winning bucket. I think there's – you look back, I mean, Michigan State last year, Trevion Williams has, has gotten the ball in big spots and won the ball game. So, I give it to Trevion. When was – who were they playing? When, when you had Trevion Williams in a big spot and he got the ball in the post after a big comeback when they were down in the first half, who was that against, Carter? Do you remember that? Yeah, so anyway, let's stick to the game here. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna be going with uh, I'm be going with Travion Williams as well. Uh, kind of the same points as Sweeney. I just think he brings a little <laughs> bit more as far as you know the passing. Uh, maybe doing a little bit, a little bit too much with those sweet passes, and maybe he's to take back the dream shakes just a little bit. But I'd rather have him on the floor. He's been there before. I've seen him do it to my team. So uh, yeah, I'm rolling with Travion on that one. I, I think I would go Edie just because I'm more confident in finding a way to create some kind of bucket or some kind of good look with Edie on the floor. 
Uh, and I, I would just bet on the fact that whoever's the other coach is going to call a timeout to set up a play, which would allow me to get Edie off the floor and have a prayer of maybe getting a stop. All right, question number two. Carter, I'm going to you on this one first. Who do you trust more, Kansas with Remy Martin or Kansas without Remy Martin? Kansas without Remy Martin. Ooh. Wow. Yes, I trust them without Remy Martin. I'm still – I still can't, I can't separate. I'm honestly, I'm, I might be flawed for this, but I cannot separate the Arizona state Remy Martin. Like it's, it's just, it's installed in me. It's instilled in me as a player. I can't separate the two. It's still there. No matter how much you want to say it's not there, it's somewhere in there and it's going to come out in March. I feel like, so I'm, I'm going without Remy Martin. Sweeney. I'll say with, I, I thought that Kansas did a nice job and Dewan Harris did not play great and shoot the ball well yesterday. But I was encouraged by the fact that, you know, Bill Self didn't rip up what has worked for them for the last you know month and a half with with Remy on the sideline. And that was Dewan Harris has been a, a, an integral part of what you do. Let's use Remy as more of a kind of an energy scorer. Uh, and he got him two buckets in 10 minutes. I think there's value for him in a 15 to 20 minute kind of six man role uh, to, to hit shots and, and let Dewan Harris still be the team's point guard. Pro. With Dewan Harris, I just think the team's more comfortable like that. Uh, looks to me like coach is probably more comfortable. But I think Remy's, you know, obviously coming back now, they're going to need him, you know, because of depth and foul trouble and different situations that are going to come in tournament play. But I think, you know, Dewan Harris and, and that rotation is is what I trust the most. So I, I like them with Remy Martin just as the change of pace, just to have that other guy that can go out there and maybe get you a bucket. They've been playing a little bit faster, and if there's one thing that Remy Martin can do, uh, he can get up and down the floor and take a bad shot. And and I do think that just being able to have that other uh, other element in your in, in the way that you're going to play is something that would uh, would be a little bit effective, especially if they continue with this small ball thing. All right, you guys ready for question number three, Sweeney? You're getting this one first. There's ten seconds left in the game. Your team is down by two. You have the ball. Who do you want at the point? Wendell Green or Andre Corbello? Oh man, <laughs> this is rude. Who who's more likely to pass the ball? I, Bello, it's Bello. I think it's it's got to be Bello. Yeah, let's go with Corbello. <laughs> Carter, who do you got? I, uh, I'm. I, Sweeney as a coach's mindset just really threw me off because we just asked if he had the ball with 10 seconds left and you're worried about him making a pass. Like, what are we talking about? Well, I don't want either of them shooting it. Oh, uh, no, it's give me Wendell Green. Let's not, <laughs> let's not forget, all right? He might, he might have had some issues these past couple games, but he's still got that in his game. Give me, give me Wendell Green. You can't, you can sag off Corbello. You can't sag off Green. From who you got? Uh, give me Corbello. I think you saw him make big plays when he came back. Uh, golly, what game was that where they had the incredible comeback and tried to – he kind of willed them, man. They were – it's just right when he came back. Purdue. They had the Purdue game, too, when he had the – Yeah, Purdue. Uh, I think it was the that. Purdue yeah. game. And, you know, he made big plays. He can finish at the basket. You know, he can create. And I think in a 10 seconds, if you have 10 seconds, that gives you plenty of time with space – to make a play, whether it's for himself, Kofi on a drop off, or he's spread around with Frazier, you know, Grandison, Plummer, guys that can really shoot the basketball. Um, so I would go with Corbello. Mm-hmm. I think I would go with Corbello too, just on the off chance that you need somebody to make a pass. Uh, you know, we've seen we've seen Wendell Green try to make some of those passes, and uh, 
yeah, it did not go well at Florida. So I, I would think I would go with Andre Grabello in that spot. All right. Uh, question number four. The day is Monday, March 28th. It is the Monday after the second weekend. The final four is now set. Who is alive? Duke, the team with all of the talent in the world and none of the point guard play, or Villanova, the team with all of the point guard play and none of the talent. Prome, I'm going to you first on this one. Duke or Villanova, more likely to make the final four. Villanova. I just, man, it's something about Colin Gillespie, man. I just like, I just, you know, um, I just like, I guess Carter must not like Colin Gillespie, but, you know, he's won his whole life. Um, he brings a toughness to that team, and that team knows how to win. Obviously, Duke is most super talented, and obviously it'd be a great – I was listening to great radio this morning. Obviously, it'd be great for Krzyzewski to get back to the Final Four this year in his last year. But with, with a lot of youth out there on the floor in the NCAA tournament, man, things happen. And, man, the road to the Final Four is not easy. Uh, and there's, there's upsets along the way. And I just – Villanova's older, they're experienced, and their point guard's been a part of a lot, a lot of winning. Sweeney? I, I'm going to have the cop-ed answer first of saying I think that Duke has a better chance to win a national championship and Villanova has a better chance to get to the Final Four, if that makes sense. Ooh, it doesn't that's make not sense. the game. No, no, I, no, I, that's I, not a, I, no there's no cop outs. Give us a, we got two minutes left in the show. Give us fine. give us an answer. You, we need an answer. If no I need a final four here. team, I would say I would say I trust Villanova a little bit more. I think they're a little bit more composed in big moments. They've been in so many of them. Um, they have the experience in the backcourt. Eric Dixon has really come along. I, I think Duke has a little bit more upside, but but I, I would say Villanova. Carter, I think we know the answer. Uh, I'm, I'm actually picking Villanova. I'm picking Villanova oh, wow. because I, I, yeah, just because I talked about guard play in March and I think Jeremy Roach is a fine basketball player, but I don't, he doesn't he, like, I don't think final four point guard. I think at least Villanova has a point guard who's played a lot of basketball games. So that'll be good for them. That, that, yeah, that, you, there's your compliment me, for Colin Gillespie from Carter Elliott for the show. Yeah, and you know what you guys, you guys are all nuts. Give me the team that is 25 and four that is lost by five two in overtime by one and by one at home to, to Virginia and has four first round picks and maybe five first round picks on the roster. All right. We got a minute left here for the last question that I'm going to ask you. The day is Monday, March 21st. The first weekend is officially over. Who is still alive? St. Mary's or Murray state Carter. You got 15 seconds. First date. Why? Uh, well, because you gave me both options, and I think Murray State's a better basketball team. So well, there you go, <laughs> Sweeney. Who you got? I think I lean Murray State. The guards are so good and so athletic, and you know they're they're unflappable in late game situations. We saw that this weekend. Brome, you got thirty seconds to let me know all about Murray State. Let's go. <laughs> Murray State. I just think the balance, and I think we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. Matt was on here talking about. It. I just think the balance, the efficiency on both ends of the floor. The guard plays, I think, elite. Uh, they got a legitimate wing that I think's got a chance to play in the NBA one day, and they've got a size with KJ uh, Williams that I think has a chance to do special things down the road. And Juice Hill has been phenomenal, and they've got guys bought into their role. So uh, I hope it happens. Be the first time, you know. Murray's had some great teams and great runs, and they've always kind of came close, came close, came close. So hopefully this time it'll it'll happen. Yeah, they, they also have a bunch of guys that have been through some wars of late. The last four games that they played on the road, uh, they were losing at halftime. But listen, this has been the Field of 68 After Dark. We're heading over to YouTube right now. We're going to have the After Dark 
afters is going to be enjoyable. We're going to answer questions from the chat. Uh, I might have something special in line with this truly. So for Carter Elliott, for Kevin Sweeney, for Steve Frome, for producer Greg Waddell, my name is Rob Doster. Thanks for being here. All clear. Hey, Carter. Can I ask you a question? Of course, Rob. Anything. What's more important than peace of mind? I don't think anything's more important than peace of mind. Nothing is. That's why NordVPN is here <laughs> to give you peace of mind while you are online. With all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything that you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection, and plans start at just under $4 a month. That's one Starbucks cup of coffee a month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe, or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free all right guys uh we have a couple questions in the chat the first one from nate who is carter <laughs> i've been asking that same question all show hey how you doing nate nice oh, to meet you man. all right this one is from jay will indiana make the ncaa tournament and by the way before you guys answer that i just want to say we are currently at uh we are currently at 79 likes get us 21 more likes so Carter will join me in a shotgun. I'm going to be throwing down this truly. I owe it from last night's show. Uh, we got to the, the, the threshold of 200 likes as we were signing off. Um, so, uh, yeah, Carter, let's go, uh, let's go to you first on this one. Will Indiana make the NCAA tournament? No, I don't know. I, I just I – don't, I don't think that – I think they just faltered too much down the stretch. I think they had a couple games they could have won as well. And I – all they had to do to me was just remain solid and get a couple wins there. And they had wins as well. I think that's what's the most frustrating part. If I'm an Indiana basketball fan, all you have to do is close out those games that you had won that were very winnable and you should have won coming into the game. And they weren't able to do that. And they just don't have the look of an NCAA tournament team to me. So I, I just, no, I don't, I don't see them making it. Any, any disagreements, Sweeney, Prome? Well, I think I, they got to win Wednesday night. I think if they beat Rutgers, it keeps them alive. Obviously, if they were to go to Mackey and win, which I don't think they will, uh, I think they've got – I look at it as beat Rutgers, the Purdue games, uh, you know, you know, hopefully you could get that one. But if you don't, man, let's get a good win in the conference tournament and then let it, let's see what happens. But um, do we have them in right now? What does what feeling of 68 say? Uh, I think that they were one of the last uh, last four in. Um, let me double check on that. I'll do that right now. Sweeney, I'll, go ahead. I'll say this. I think the Rutgers game is, is almost like a first four game. Like it, it, it feels that much like a playing game for, for the NCAA tournament for both of these teams. Um, I, I think it'd be really hard to keep them out. If you have 19, potentially 20, if you get a conference tournament win, 19 total wins, you go 10 and 10 in the big 10, one of the toughest leagues in the country. You have an elite win over Purdue team. It's going to be a top three seed, you know, again, in, you have a good win over Ohio State. You have a neutral court win uh, against Notre Dame. You really don't have a bad loss necessarily. I mean, at Syracuse, not great. At Penn State, not great. But neither of those are 
or lose losses to take you out of it. To me, I think it's really hard to keep them out if they if they can beat Rutgers. You know, will they? We'll see. But if, if they can beat Rutgers, I think they should, they should be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, all right. Um, Pro, I'm going to go to you on this one. Uh, do you see Marquette? Do you still see Marquette as a team that can pull off an upset or two uh, in March? I believe right now, fielding the 68 has them projected as a six seed. So that would mean uh, got an 11 in the first round, maybe someone like a Murray State in the first round. Um, and then you would have to pick off like a three seed. So, yeah, I do. I, th- I think they can get to the second weekend, you know, whether they, whether it happens, you know, <laughs> you know, who knows, but I really do. I, I like their team. I like their toughness. Uh, they defend, they compete, they got good size. Um, I think offensively they've been really good. I, I like their team. I like, I think shock has them playing with a swagger. You know, I know they've lost, you know, a tough game with Creighton and, you know, they struggled a little bit against Butler this past weekend, but, I like Marquette, and I think they have a chance, obviously, to to be a good seed. You know, five, six, seven—that's a good seed, and and to obviously get through that first weekend. Mm-hmm. Sweeney, yeah, I think they have the potential. I, th- I think you've seen all year long they've been a little bit streaky, uh, and I think a lot of that has been whether the threes are falling. But in the moments when they've really shot it from three, they're really tough because you know they guard. You know, Justin Lewis is a star level player. You know, Marcel's tremendous, and they've got guys who really buy into their role. I think that's a good recipe. And, you know, if you can hit 10 threes in an NCAA tournament game, you like your chances. And they've certainly got the pieces on this roster to to, to do that on any given night. Yeah. Prom, so we just had a question. Uh, who is the better transfer pickup this year, Alfonso Plummer or James Akinjo? Uh, I don't want to talk about that, but it, it is a segue into uh, Baylor beating Kansas yesterday. And we haven't really touched on that game yet. So I want to – I want to – pick your brain on this a little bit you coach obviously in the big 12 last season so um how is baylor back like what, what's uh, how concerned are you about what they are without um jonathan chamachacho i think that is a big loss for him i think the fact that they don't have the shooting with lj crier is huge but coming back from the the early uh the early you know uh punch that that kansas threw yesterday and winning that game at home i thought was a pretty big statement from the bears yeah, I thought it was huge. And obviously, they had a short rotation yesterday. They only played seven guys. Uh, but Thamba, you know, in a game where he had to be big and where we need, where they need more from him, he has his probably best game of the year where he gets 18 points and eight rebounds. But I thought they had a lot of guys step up. You know, I think we talked about when, when the injury to JTT happened, what are they going to do? Are well, they going to play small ball with Thamba at the five? Or they're going to put Brown or, um, or Jeremy uh, – how do you pronounce his last name? Sohan. 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 Uh, Sohan at the at the uh, at the five and go small, and that's what they've done. And I think their guard play is very very good. They need to get Eldrick Carr back for another sh- experienced shooter. Uh, but I like Akinjo, Meyer, Cryer. You know those guys. I think they're very good, and I think they showed a lot last night to where if they can go to win at Texas. You know they're going to keep a lot of pressure on Kansas for the for, to share the big uh, Big Twelve title. Yeah, what do you think, Carter? Yeah, no, I think it. I I think that this coaching job by Scott Drew. I mean, we all know that Scott Drew is a great coach, but I think like in situations like this where coaches face adversity and they have injuries, one, it's great to see players step up and have bigger roles. So players like Sohan Brown, like Coach said, seeing them step up is great, but also seeing a great coach make adjustments to what he has and with injuries, I think that's really testament to what Baylor's doing right now. 
And they kind of fall in the same mold as me as for a team that's taken lumps throughout the year. So they've had these injuries. They've had guys out like in Illinois, I would say. So they bit, they're battle tested. They're playing in the big 12. They had these injuries. They had to play through that coming off a national title last year, losing all these NBA guys. And we're still talking about how good of a basketball team they are. So I'm all in on this Baylor team. And also the fact that it's a Kinjo Meyer and Cryer, that's just a bar in itself. That's 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 another reason why I love this Baylor basketball team. So I, I think that I have a very hard time fully buying into them when they're basically playing six guys, right? Like I don't Dale Bonner is fine, but he is not really a threat and he's just kind of a body out there because you have to have someone play some minutes. They basically go six deep at this point. And to me, that that's that's very difficult to do when you're second rotation or your second team is is playing a guy in a position that he hasn't really played all season long when you're throwing Sohan at the five, right? Before Chachua got hurt, they never did that. Their their lineup was basically you would get 20 minutes with Thamba and 20 minutes with JTT. So I think that it's it's difficult to change what you want to do in the middle of the season um, and to play with only six guys. Now, if they get Cryer back and you get that spacing and you get that shooter and you get the guy that can create a little bit more space, for Kinjo to go out there and do his thing, I think that's big. Um, Prom, I also want to hit you on a question about Kansas. Uh, it, it feels like they're starting to play a little bit more up-tempo here, right? It looks like they're trying to put a little bit of an emphasis on getting out in transition, getting up quicker shots, maybe not having to rely so much on, on getting stuff in the half court, um, knowing that they're not able to kind of – think McCormick, he's been up and down. I think he's got a bad knee now or banged up or something. Are, are you seeing that as well and, and – has has Bill done has he ever played like an up-tempo team like that before <clears throat> well he, I mean I think he's what he's done too is like we talked about Baylor excuse me and he's he's played a lot of different ways I mean you look at years back I mean it was two game two game two game and we're gonna high low you and we're gonna play through these two bigs and obviously he's always had great players you know at the at the wing and and obviously the, the guards you go Mason Graham just of recent date but I think some of it you know a lot of people now trying to take Abaji away if you can play in transition a little bit more it gets him some opportunities gets him maybe some easier looks uh, but I really like Kansas uh, I mean I know that was a tough one for them last night I, I knew it was going to be a tough game for them uh, but I like I love Braun I think he's a really really good player you know like Baji I just think his leadership and toughness and ability to make plays and then Wilson, I think that's the X factor is really Wilson. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you kind of know Braun, you know, Baji. Wilson's kind of here and there, here and there, here and there. And if they can get him to kind of complete that wing, then their point guard can play, can be solid because Harris not going to hurt you, you know, and he knows what coach wants. And then they'll just rotate in at the five. I mean, he'll throw everybody out there if he needs to, you know, whether it's Lightfoot, McCormick, you know, he'll go Adams, you know, he'll go Young. You know, excuse me, young players, you know, throw them freshmen off the bench, you know, and Clements. Uh, but I love Kansas. I think um, I think they're really good. Where would you, Sweeney, where would you rank Kansas in terms of uh, national title contenders? Are they in that top tier? Do you think that even with this loss, they can get a number one seed? Like, where do you stand on them? Yeah, I think they can certainly get a one seed. You know, they're, you know, them and Baylor came into yesterday as the only two teams with 10 Q1s. Baylor obviously jumps them to get to 11, but they have a tremendous, tremendous resume. Um, the two-star players, I, I've been a little bit more down on Kansas' national championship hopes, you know, to, to win six because 
of the questions at the point and the questions at center. And I thought McCormick yesterday didn't necessarily um, remove those questions. He was really good on the glass, but he just wasn't, wasn't great around the basket. Shot only four for 11. And so I still don't necessarily love them among you know the top five or six teams that you really, you really buy into nationally. But I, I really thought they played a whale of a game yesterday. I mean, you're on the road in a really, really tough environment in Waco. Um, you know, Baylor was up for that game. Obviously, Kansas punched them in the mouth early, but they really battled, man. And I thought, I thought Brown was was really solid. Took him a little while. I thought he, I thought to get it going with Flagler on him, but you found a way. Baji did his thing. Like, I, I think they're really good. You know, I, I think the the point guard and the center stuff hold me back from really buying into them as like a team that I want to pick as a national champion. Like, like I, I don't see myself filling out my bracket on Selection Sunday and coming away with Kansas as my champion. Does that mean that they can't win it? No, but I don't see my I don't see a way where I'm going to fill out the bracket and say I'm picking Kansas to win it all. I'll put it that way. Yeah, uh, but my only. The only reason why I'm not afraid of them is that it feels like every team in college basketball were saying, yeah, they'd be great if they only had point guard play, right? That's like true. how many teams are we, are, we, are we saying like they have great point guard play? And like, look, that is, we, we made this joke last night and after dark, like we need a little counter in the corner of our show so that people kind of see, like you hear the ding every time someone says point guard play. But I mean, it's a thing, right? Like you having a great guard in March, if you go back, I, I've made this point a hundred times, but if you go back all the way to 2010, every team that's won the national title has basically started two point guards with the exception of 2012 Kentucky, who started a first round pick at the point and had the top two picks in the draft in Anthony Davis and Michael Keith Gilchrist. Everyone else has had two guards uh, in, in last year, right? It was, uh, it was Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler in, um, in 2019, it was Kihei Clark and Ty Jerome. In 2018, it was Jalen Brunson and whoever else you want to put out. They basically had four point guards on that Villanova team. You go all the way through the line. Uh, so not having great point guard play is going to matter. Listen, we are over 100 likes, but I, I do have a question, guys. Um, Carter, do, do you know someone named Megan? I do. You do? Yeah, I'm Who's actually I'm married, to, I'm married to a Megan. Yeah, oh, like so... My, it, so there, because there is a a Megan Elliott in the chat right now, and she just she just she wanted to she had it's not really a question, but she kind of had a comment. You know what it says? Oh, it what does it say? It says in all caps, "We want a Carter shotgun." We do want a Carter <laughs> yeah. shotgun. I mean, you know what they say: happy, happy wife, happy wife. So let's let's, let's get this thing cracking. <laughs> I got to wait for Doster because I know he's going to take his time. Maybe it can be like I do it, then he does it. No, hold on. Let me just – this is going to – He's had more trouble opening his drink over the last couple nights when I've been here. Yeah. You I'm may a, need I'm to about send to put him. On, I'm, I'm, I'm about to put on for Albion College with this one. I don't even, you may I don't need to send need... him that, that instrument. Oh, there you go, had. Rob. Here you go, Rob. All right, in with the teeth professional mm -hmm. i'm ready hold up try to do all that with my teeth i actually do need to use my use my little opener here okay we're good right. now oh yeah it's it's for it's for the likes carter it's for the clout it is and i'm throwing on my michigan state victory shades as well oh, victory good. shades are back baby oh they're back they have not been here in about 
seven games, but they're bad. <laughs> prom, prom, is this what you signed up for when you joined the show? <laughs> I didn't know this was going to be on this. All right, you ready, Carter? I'm ready. Shout out to the chat. Yep. It was 68 till I die. Terrence Oglesby. Yeah. Till I die. <laughs> Nothing but nightmare fuel in that can. Beautiful. This was the field of 68 after dark, guys. Thank you for being here. Hey, we didn't do three cheers. (laughs) Rob's struggling. Three cheers. Go ahead. Start. Someone else started. Go ahead. Uh, You you take it away, Prom. You go first. All right. Hey, three cheers. Uh, I will go to Illinois. Uh, Great win today on the road to keep chances of still winning a share of the Big Ten Championship. So, congrats. uh, Cheers to Illinois. Kevin? Uh, this is lame, but cheers to college basketball. That was a heck of a weekend. We're going to have one like that again. So cheers to college basketball, man. That was cheers, awesome. Cheers to college basketball. I like that. Cheers Carter. to college basketball on an after dark college basketball show. Spam tomatoes in the chat for Kevin Sweeney. That was bad. All right. Me, I'm going to give, I'm going to give credit to the little guys. Cause I'm a D three basketball player. I'm a little guy. I want to give credit to the Nebraska Cornhuskers that Rob shitted on earlier today. Because they picked up their second conference win on the road. Hoiberg, uh, coach, fresh off knowing he's coming back next year. Shout out to my guy. He got a win on the road at Penn State. So, you know, get, get, pay homage to them. That Give was, them their respect. That was the most disrespectful intro. You were like, I'm a D3 guy. I like the little guy. How about Nebraska? <laughs> that was so disrespectful. <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing. So I, I am also a D3 guy. I also like the little the, the little guy. I'm going to give a shout out to my alma mater, of course, Vassar College Brewers, for the first time, first time in program history, they advanced the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, they got a win. They beat Skidmore, who is our rival, uh, by 15 in the Liberty League tournament title game. They will be dancing in March. So, to the Vassar College Brewers, by the way, the Brewers, the Vassar That's College an Brewers, elite, cheers. elite name. Is, is yeah. there a reason why Skidmore is your rival? Because like Skidmore, I was going to say you I beat, you, like, you beat a team called Skidmore. Skidmore, I, I, like a skid. I ran a five. I, I, my like, brother like, ran a five k. Like, you mean like yeah. yeah, like like Skidmark? Yeah, Skidmark. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> like it's a beautiful campus, Saratoga Springs. It's New great. York. Yeah, love Skidmore. They got the racetrack there. Yeah, it's a beautiful campus. They suck. We didn't talk Love-up. about the Memphis Tigers, man. Keeping their hopes alive. Big yeah, win cheers. today, man. It's a big week for them. Cheers to the Tigers. Cheers to the Tigers. You beat a bad Wichita State team. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, this has been the field of 68 after dark. This was fun. So for Carter Elliott, for Kevin Sweeney, for Steve Pro, for producer Greg Waddell, my name is Rob Dosser. We will see you guys again tomorrow, 11 p.m. Eastern time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code balance10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.